A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's October 26th, 1881, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. For the first 50 years after it took place, if you'd asked the average person on the street if they'd heard of the gunfight at the OK Corral, they would probably have said no. But regardless, the story of how it came to be the most famous shootout in Wild West history did begin today in 1881 when the Earp Brothers and Doc Holliday teamed up against a band of outlaws in Tombstone, Arizona. And specifically the way that it began, at least if the movie Tombstone is to be believed. <laughs> this is then, only research. Yeah, this is pretty much it. That's all I've got. Um, but it was triggered by a wink from Doc Holliday played by by Val Kilmer, wearing an absurd and frankly not very believable moustache, but still looking <laughs> outrageously handsome. In real life, he wasn't played by Val Kilmer, Arian. That's an important detail. <laughs> that's, In real life, that's he was true. played by Doc Holliday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in the Val Kilmer version, looking as handsome as he was feels important because part of the thing about these guys is that they dressed them incredibly well, like the good guy Wyatt Earp gang. And then the cowboy gang is looking really shaggy, rough, tough people who have been out rustling cattle all night and it seems important because it's not such a simple story of goody lawmen versus baddie cowboys no it isn't a simple story but it is a very quick story it was all over the <laughs> shooting in 30 seconds that's true so we've already devoted twice as much time to this subject as was actually the case if you were there um, <laughs> and to your point rebecca that people in the street wouldn't have known about it they wouldn't have known about it because it hadn't yet been romanticized by hollywood mm. and specifically by the book that inspired those hollywood adaptations Wyatt Earp Frontier Marshal was mm. a biography by Stuart N. Lake, which really romanticised these events and simplified these events. So it was good guys, bad guys, cowboys, Indians. Yeah, I mean, the book was contested by Wyatt Earp and his wife, Josephine, up until his death. It was published two years after he died. And it seems to be that she didn't want their real lives to be outed in any way. Specifically, that although Wyatt Earp was a lawman, he was also, you know, the lines are very blurred in the Wild West. You could be a marshal, you could be a sheriff, but you could also run a brothel. And that's mm. what he did. He was a brothel keeper. He was a gambler. She herself was a former sex worker. So she didn't want anyone looking too closely at their lives. But in the end, she needn't have worried because Lake's account was incredibly incredibly glorifying of Wyatt Earp and didn't even mention Josephine at all in the end. Mm. I mean, there was a time period in the book where Wyatt Earp is supposedly hunting buffalo on the plains while the real Earp was being arrested for keeping a house of ill fame in Peoria, Illinois. So, you know, there was a lot of glorification <laughs> going on. And Lake admitted afterwards that he only spoke to Earp eight times. Earp was in his 80s as well and that he had been quite creative with his account. Because it appeared in 1931 and it was the Depression, nobody cared. Yeah. Well, a bit more about the real story of Earp. He was born in Monmouth, Illinois in 18. 48, and he was named after his father's commander in the Mexican-American War. Anyway, after the American Civil War broke out in 1861, Earp ran away from the family home and tried to join the Union Army, but his father found him and basically just brought him back from the front lines. And by 1870, he'd got his first job in law enforcement as the town constable at Lamar, Missouri, but he was dismissed after just a year, having been accused of mishandling public funds. And this comes to be a recurring theme throughout his 
life as a lawman because he but continues to get. But how can this be, get... Arian? He's so good looking. He's paid by Kevin Costner, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing about all of these characters from this era. Is so for example, he himself had also stolen some horses right. from Indian territory early in his career and broken out of jail. So was technically a fugitive himself before he then elected himself as lawman. Yeah. And this is the thing: like being law enforcement then arguably is now, bit of politics, bit of politics, was that you kind of got paid to sometimes take the moral high ground over people who weren't doing anything that different to what you were doing. And Mm. he got to keep 10% of the taxes that he collected as the town assessor. He was earning $40,000 a year in 1881 money by the time he moved to Tombstone. So... It's not to say that he wasn't locking up the bad guys. And it's also not to say that it's necessarily a bad thing to be motivated by money. That's why you moved to the West, after all. Yeah. But it's not a straightforward thing. Yeah, and there's an obvious nepotism element I don't think we can overlook because the <laughs> lawmen in this shootout were three of the Earp brothers. So there's Virgil Earp, who's unfairly overlooked, I think, because of all the press that Wyatt got in the 1930s and afterwards. But he was the one who was the Kind of the most proper lawman. He was the one who did the least brothel keeping and the least <laughs> horse thieving. And he had brought on Wyatt and another brother, Morgan, to be special policemen to assist him in Tombstone, along with Doc Holliday, whose Wikipedia biography summarises him as a gambler, gunfighter and dentist, which I think is excellent. Brilliant. And the reason it was called Tombstone is that a chap called Ed Shafelin, uh, who was a former scout with the United States Army, came to what was then the Arizona Territory in the 1870s, just looking for whatever he could dig up from the ground. But soldiers, before he went there, said to him, look, you're going into Apache Territory, so you're more likely to find your own tombstone than anything of value in the ground. And (laughs) when he hit on a seam of silver in 1877, he was like, up yours, everybody, I'm calling this (laughs) tombstone. Well, and it was a real boom town. It had been established just four years before the shootout. And only 18 months after it was founded, the Grand Hotel opened. This is how quickly things happened in the Mm. West. You know, it had chandeliers and oil paintings on the wall. And it was the rapid expansion of Tombstone that was underlying the reason that there was this shootout in the first place. Because on one hand, you had the existing class of people who'd lived in that area, mostly Southerners. Obviously, this wasn't long after the Civil War. They mostly were Democrats and they were ranchers, cowboys, etc. Then you had all of these people pouring in from the Midwest and New England, who were majority Republicans, you know, the businessmen, the townsfolk, and that's the class to which the Earps belonged. And this tension between the lawmen and this loose gang of these southern rancher-affiliated outlaws who were called the Cochise County Cowboys had been going on for ages. This was actually the 32nd shootout between Tombstone law enforcement (laughs) and the Cowboys gang. I love that the first source of tension was when one of the Cowboys stole one of the Earps' mules. (laughs) Yeah, that's something we've come across before when we talked about Dick Turpin in Britain, right? I mean, it's not very glamorous, is it? Like, animal theft is often what it comes down to. It's interesting, yeah. isn't it? You know, you think of these people from history who were carrying knives and guns and could kill you and fillet you, and that's how they're remembered. When it actually comes down to it, the first crime that they commit is very often taking someone else's cow. It's like out of the Bible, isn't it? Stealing yeah. your neighbour's <laughs> oxen. But actually, that's just a simple way to make money out of illicit goods back then, isn't it? If you know a dodgy butcher, because once the cow's been skinned, no one knows who owned it in the first place. And presto, you can make some money on the slice. Yeah, and the cowboys were comprised of two sets of brothers centrally, the Clantons and the McClory brothers. And they had this reputation as outlaws 
best known as cattle rustlers. You know, this was incredibly lucrative at the time because beef shortages, particularly in towns like this that were expanding incredibly rapidly but had massive appetites because everyone's going out and earning their keep in a really um, physical way, they needed more beef than they could supply. And these guys were operating on both sides of the US-Mexico border, Mm. by the way. And that became this source of tension between the lawmen and the cowboys themselves. Yeah, but this particular shootout arose not from cattle rustling, not from murder. It arose from a violation of a city ordinance against carrying firearms in town. And that had been enacted in April of 1881. So guns had to be left at a livery or a saloon upon entering town. And that is the rule that the cowboys had broken. But the night before the shootout... Virgil had played cards all night with two of the cowboys. They'd all been playing cards together along with the sheriff of the town as well. But the next morning, Ike Clanton, still drunk and still armed in violation of the ordinance, bumped into Virgil again. This time, Virgil pistol-whipped him and disarmed him. Around the same time, Wyatt bumped into Tom McClory, who'd also been up all night. He confronted him over the revolver he was illicitly carrying, and he pistol-whipped him. And when their brothers, Frank McClory and Billy Clanton, arrived in town and learned about this, the violence then became inevitable. It's just so weird, isn't it? You're carrying guns. Let's fight about this with guns. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to gun you with our guns for carrying guns, (laughs) gun slingers. (laughs) Um, But, as you say, it was all over in 30 seconds, but three people came out of it dead. And all three of the dead people were the cowboys. And the preamble to the shootout is really important because it meant that Ike Glanton was unarmed. And Billy Claiborne, who was the friend of the two sets of brothers who was with them, he was also unarmed and they fled. And the McClory's and Billy Clanton were the ones who were shot dead. Morgan Earp was nicked by a bullet, so was Doc Holliday and Virgil was shot through the calf. Some witnesses said afterwards that all of them had held up their hands and said that either that they weren't armed or that they weren't going to reach for their guns and that they were shot anyway. But I think that's so interesting because I think this encounter has come to be seen as symbolic of there was, you know, the Wild West outlaws roaming around these defenceless towns with impunity and lawmen had to step in and clean things up when actually it could be the exact opposite and something that's far mm. less alien to modern American society. It's bad guys are in town, the police arrive, the bad guys are mostly shot dead and the police walk away. The reason they got off is because under tombstone law, policemen are always in the right if they shot armed opponents threatening to kill. So they just had to make the case that their opponents were armed. And it probably wasn't entirely impossible that at least one of them was armed. And in March of the following year, Morgan Earp was killed. And although the assailants were never actually identified, many believe that both of those two Earp brothers were gunned down as revenge, obviously, for what happened at the OK Corral. It didn't take place at the OK Corral. It took place at a... A narrow, vacant plot of land down the street from its rear entrance. Although gunfight at the empty lot a few doors down from the OK Corral doesn't really have a ring to it. (laughs) Tomorrow. Yeah. And one admiral even said that they should have let themselves go down rather than be exposed. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, part of the ACAST Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.